all. Welcome to Talking T. This is your host, Scott Girard, joined as always by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, the last of the 70s, I believe, right before we head into the uh, completely, you know, the offensive, the playmaker numbers in the 80s. Uh, but it's uh, right after the Super Bowl. Not too much going on. We did have one commit, but plenty of action in the Super Bowl as far as uh, former LSU players go. LSU basketball did have one game. They were supposed to have two, but the second was canceled because of, uh, again, uh, COVID-related activities at Florida. That happened again with LSU football. So I, I don't know what's going on over at the, uh, you know, the university in Gainesville, but they're obviously not following some sort of protocol because they keep having issues. Anyway, uh, so LSU only had one game this week. They ended up losing on the road to Alabama. Probably not even worth going over uh, because LSU just does not play well and Alabama seems to have their number. But before we get into any of it, want to check in with you guys, the co-hosts. Yeah, it was a kind of an uneventful week, but we did have the Super Bowl. I imagine you guys were, uh, you know, maybe excited about that. I don't know if you had any, uh, if, any if you had any action going, or if you were just excited about seeing all the, uh, you know, the the Tigers play and just, you know, the the excitement of the big game. I don't know. Maybe maybe Daniel was really excited about the weekend's halftime performance. I don't know. So maybe. I want to check in with you guys and find out. So so how how how'd it go? Well, uh, I know I can say for me. Super Bowl went pretty well. Had the Bucks, they won. I did make I made the prediction on the podcast that they that I had a good feeling about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, that I put my money where my mouth was later on after the podcast. Cash that good good week for me. Uh, Super Bowl was fun to watch. Cooked a little bit. Made some uh, some chicken tenders, which were kind of fun to make. I'd never done that before, so it was pretty good. And then. Uh, um yeah the weekends thing that was kind of interesting man I, i've heard people talk about this and i, I know I, daniel i was watching obviously here so daniel knew I, I but like you know that part where he was inside the backstage with all the lights and he was spinning around for no reason yeah i got like i got i could have turned my face away it was so sick like I, it made me sick like it was like nauseating watching him yeah spin. you might have vertigo but um <laughs> no, I, I get it. It gives you motion sickness sometimes when they do that. But um, I, I don't know what that was. Daniel, it was weird. Any idea? I, I don't really find it off-putting. It was pretty normal to me. I liked the uh, the halftime performance. But, you liked uh, him spinning around? Yeah, I thought it was cool, like, in all the lights and stuff. I don't know. It was kind of trippy, but I think Were it was cool. Were you blinded by the lights? Uh, I guess so. Actually, <laughs> uh, there were some, some negative pr- reviews of the, the halftime performance online, but I thought overall it was pretty good. I thought it was fine. Um, I just thought that one part was nauseating. They kind of they set it up a little bit more for the TV audience than they did for the in-stadium crowd with it being kind of up on the side of the stadium and not all in the middle as it kind of traditionally is with a big mob of fans around. But mm-hmm. the only it was weird with all the, the guys with the masks on. I guess they, they had to figure out how to incorporate the masks into the costumes somehow, so they went with his his little bandaged oh, you think that was a you think that was a mask thing yeah for sure I, I heard it wasn't I that, a COVID reference yeah it was like a it was like a hollywood uh you know plastic surgery yeah i thought that was just his performance art oh uh, well, i think it was a combination of both because like he had had like facial bandages on and some other like music videos and stuff kind of like that and i think they just incorporated that like 
further into the mask to so, so they could avoid the criticism of Twitter blowing up on them if they're like, oh, like you're having 100 dancers out there with no masks on. Um, so they, they covered their bases there. But the game, it wasn't so super, in my opinion. Uh, I predicted the Chiefs, and they got blown out. Uh, the O-line was porous, to say the least. Patrick Mahomes got worked. Although he did make one crazy play, falling to the ground and beamed his receiver in the face in the end zone. Yeah, the guy didn't even catch it. Yeah, it could have been like a highlight of the year. And, yeah, and the craziest throw I've ever seen, but it was uh, kind of all for nothing. Uh, that the Tigers in the Super Bowl played well, which um, I guess we can get into now, but enjoyed watching the game at least. I thought it was, I mean, even though it was kind of a blowout, I thought it was still a fun game to watch. You know, it was one of those things where like, I, I still feel like uh, the Chiefs could, if, you know, a few things go the right way for the Chiefs, like, they are in that game. The Tyra Matthew interception, you know, if the guy catches, if the guy doesn't have it doink off his own helmet, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I know that like they kind of got blown out, but um, I still felt like it was a, it was still a pretty good game. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a, like a slow bloodletting. It wasn't like, you know, the, uh, the bucks were up like 28 to nothing at halftime. You know, yeah. it, was, it was only like I think 21 to six or something. Uh, and then it was just like a, just a slow methodical dismantling. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. got the feeling it was like, if the chiefs could just like get one like big score, one big play and get a on the board play. Yeah. And then they were right back in it. Cause they had that possibility, but then it just never happened. And I was like, well, game's over. Yeah. yeah. And even, even at the very end, it's like they, uh, when, when they were like driving inside the 20, uh, I think the announcers like right after Devin White got that interception. They said, "Oh well, that seals it." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, this game was this game was already sealed, guys." <laughs> it's not like the Chiefs were going to score uh, 22 points in the next minute and 45 seconds. So, uh, I mean, the game was decided well before the end. But I mean, the Chiefs, you know, bless their hearts, they they tried. I think they just for pride, they probably wanted to get into the end zone. You know, I, I can't say I blame them. They just they couldn't. Uh, you know, you, like you said, it could have been just the offensive line. It could have just been Tampa Bay had a really good defense. They had some really rangy linebackers, uh, you know, one of which was directly from LSU, Devin White. But uh, it just seems like that the uh, the Bucks had the Chiefs number offensively because all they could get was field goals. Uh, Tampa Bay, meanwhile, uh, you know, they could drive up and down the field. No problem. Uh, it's not like the, the, the Chiefs had a bad defense. Um, but it just, it, I, I don't know. They just, it, it just wasn't meant to be, you know? I mean, Tampa Bay had a home game. There's a lot of people complaining. Oh, it was fixed. The refs were in for Tampa Bay cause it's a home game and Brady and all that mess. But I, I just don't buy it. You know, it's like a Tampa Bay. Sure. Maybe they, they had some advantage because they're at home, but it, that wasn't why they won. They won because Tampa Bay just played better. They had, I think they had a better, maybe a better plan. They just had the better players. Uh, and it could be as simple as that. But LSU definitely showed out. You know, I, I was going to say, like, all the big playmakers, uh, Leonard Fournette, the highest rusher, he had the longest running yards uh, from scrimmage for an LSU player for a touchdown. Um, and uh, Devin White had an interception to, like, quote-unquote, seal the game. But he was he was all over the place before that. Tyron Matthew, he should have had one. Uh, you know, if his uh, teammate wasn't offsides, he'd have had one too. Uh, and that was a borderline call too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but other than that, um, 
you know, only one team can win, and they did. I, I did had one question, though. It's like, what was the deal with the beef between Honey Badger and, and Brady? Yeah, yeah. like they were going at it all game, and then afterwards Brady sent a, an apologetic text for whatever reason. But it's like, what, I, did these two – I didn't think these two had beef before. Was it just – competitiveness because i mean i can dig that but it just it seemed really like vitriolic and brady you know he he, he took it on his own to like uh i don't know he it's like i, I don't think you want to piss off brady uh but honey badger did and he kind of owned the chief's defense so <laughs> i don't know do you, do you guys have any idea of what that might have been about other than just like in-game jawing it was kind of weird i didn't really expect that um, but I, it kind of added to the, the drama of the thing. But, yeah, Tyran, he had an okay game. Wish he could have had that interception, but Brady pretty much owned him for the rest of the night. So it was hard to see really where he was coming from. Although kind of the most savage moment of the game was when Antoine Winfield Jr. of the of the Bucks threw up the deuces in Tyreek oh, Hill's right Tyre, Tyre, face. face, his signature kind of like celebration after he broke him up uh, on a pass play, squatted right into it, and then Tyreek Hill's probably steaming after that. He caught that, he caught that, uh, that taunting penalty. Yeah, uh, it was probably worth it for him. Oh, <laughs> I know it was worth it. But like, yeah, with the Tyron Matthew thing, I mean, I bet it was, I bet it was just, you know, these are two hyper competitors just going at it playing in the biggest stage in this sport like i think i think that's probably what it is i mean tyron matthews uh you know you remember he went to st aug like they're no like like that's a that's a trash talking kind of school like they're you know they're not afraid to get up in your face he plays cornerback that's a position that you that everybody they jaw at each other the the wide receivers and the cornerbacks go at it the whole game so i would think that you know it's just a, it's a back it was a back and forth all night and maybe maybe it got out of hand on, on one of either you know either of them got out of hand who knows but off the field i've always heard tyron matthews like one of the like the sweetest guys out there super good guy great in the locker room great to fans great to just pretty much everybody has good things to say about him um and probably in the same thing for Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady's pretty much a good guy from what we've all, from what we all hear as far as nice, nice in the locker room, good teammate, all that. So I'm sure it was just, they got, they got a little heated going back and forth at each other. And then once the game's over, everything cools down. They're kind of like, well, you know, Hey, that's, you're still good. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Plus, uh, maybe maybe uh, Matthew was just taking advantage of the chance. Any chance you get to try and take on the goat in the the biggest stage is something you kind of want to play up a little bit. But Tom Brady did his thing. Uh, it was fun to see Gronk come back, uh, six catches With and two, two touch- touchdowns. Yeah, two touchdowns uh, after he was crushing Bud Lights on the beach last year, and now he comes back and catches two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Uh, so that's that's a fun story. Uh, and then him and Brady just reunited. And then I don't think they've any made any announcements as to whether they're coming back or not for next year. But oh, I think Brady said he is. Oh, yeah. Right at, when when he was on stage with the trophy, they asked him, you know, and he thought, about, oh, yeah, we're coming back next year. Yeah. Yeah. So good for Brady. He's going he's gonna to be there. I bet he, he'll compete for – I mean, you'll, you'll see him. He's, he's going to be a player coach in about five years. <laughs> he well, he already is. From what they said, you know, that's what Arian said. He said sometimes you just let Tom do it. I don't even, I don't even call plays. Yeah, yeah and, then, and then winning this one almost opens up the possibility of like imagining ten Super Bowls for Tom Brady because he's got seven, and he said he wants to play till forty-five, which would be two more since he's forty-three. But I mean, they have to win every single year. But he doesn't really seem to be slowing down that much. 
Mm-mm. No, but I mean, he, I, I don't think it's going to, I don't think he was going to make it that far. Cause again, it's like a complete team effort and uh, just timing and all that. But uh, that's the one thing that stood out to me. It's, it didn't matter if Tom Brady was going to win this game. The fact that he's in his 10th Super Bowl, I don't think we're going to see another one player play in 10 Super Bowls, much less win six of them. Uh, so I just said it. Well, so yeah, thank you. Seven. Well, but even even like I said, even before, before yeah, yeah. Uh, but he just there's just there's I don't think there's anyone that's gonna have that type of success slash fortune again. There's just there's just there's just no way because it hasn't happened. I mean, uh, you know, there's guys that have played like uh, Joe Montana, uh, Terry Terry Bradshaw. You know, they all played in Ford Super Bowls and won them, but like they didn't really play much beyond that. But ten mm-hmm. Super Bowls, just the the sheer the sheer number on that it's just uh, i just don't think we're going to see it again yeah well the announcers tony romo was talking about at the end how some people were saying that patrick mahomes would have the best chance of doing it of anybody probably for a while and he was like yeah if the chiefs had won six to two that's like a gap you could feasibly maybe close since he's got probably another 10 years at least ahead of him but like seven to one like in terms of super bowls brady versus mahomes it's like almost impossible you see what I'm saying? Seven to one. Like, oh. Now that Brady's won one and Mahomes is, or Brady's won seven, Mahomes has won one. He has to win seven to beat Brady at the very least. But like before, if Mahomes had won this past one, he's only down by four. Oh, he's only down by four. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, unless, unless uh, you know, Mahomes makes it to, unless he wins like two or three in a row, because Brady won two in a row. If, mm-hmm. if Mahomes can win like three or four in a row or just like two sets of two or three like Jordan did, uh, I think that's the only way. Like he wouldn't have to win eight total. I just don't think that's possible. Uh, it's just the the odds are completely against it. But I mean, it's it just depends how he won it, right? Like if he won the next two Super Bowls in uh, blowout fashion, that would look better than like eking out one or two Super Bowls every three or four years. Jacksonville Jaguars Super Bowl 2023. Trevor, Trevor. Lawrence. <laughs> no, and you know what? I, you know, what I saw talking about like Tom Brady or whatever. The craziest thing, and I, I still can't get over this. Tom Brady is Tom Brady is now he's seven for ten, seventy percent. He's more likely to win a Super Bowl. Like when he takes the field, he's more likely to win a Super Bowl than than LeBron James is to make a free throw. <laughs> Can you believe that? Is LeBron, yeah. is LeBron less than a seventy percent? That's what that's what I heard. I don't know. If, I mean, maybe that's not true, but like, it's still it's still if if it's if it is true, like that's incredible. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of stats you can look at. You could look, you can compare you can compare Brady to all the teams that haven't won a Super Bowl and say, well, Tom Brady has won more Super Bowls than these eight teams combined. But I mean, it it just it doesn't matter. It's like here's the thing, I towards the uh, you know the end of his run in New New England, I was just getting sort of tired of hearing all the talk about it and Brady, and I'm thinking, yeah, but he's with one team, you know. It's like he's a uh, he's like you know maybe Daniel probably is going to uh, grin at this, but it's like, oh, he's a system QB. Yeah. Oh, he's uh, he's just a product of uh, the Belichick system. You know, it's like the process, like with Saban. Overrated. Right. But uh, but the fact that he left New England, went down to Tampa, and took a team that was... Really worst of first, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were the worst team in at least the division last year. They, I don't think they were the worst in the NFC, but they were worse in the division. And uh, I mean, they didn't win the division this year, but they definitely won the conference and won the Super Bowl. So 
I, I don't know. Like that's the one common denominator between all of this. And I went from a Brady hater to a Brady appreciator because it's like he stepped out outside of that comfort zone and uh, he went down and did it in Tampa with a brand new coach, uh, a team that was, you know, reeling from last year and, you know, they did it. So I, I have to pay respects to that. I am, I am no longer a anti Brady goat guy. I I'm kind of, yeah, that, that pretty much sealed it. And he, and they even said, um, he beat, so he beat breeze, he beat Rogers and he beat Mahomes. And like, those are, those are three of the, in this one playoff run, those are like the, that three people who people who everybody's like, Oh no, their X is better than Brady. Yeah. Or the, the, some of the big NFL guys are like, Brady is like the best, like he's the greatest of all time, but Aaron Rodgers is like the best quarterback yeah, of all time. Or like, that type. like that type of thing. But I don't think you can really make that argument too much. Yeah. It's like, well, well what's the proof? Uh, just numbers. Cause I mean, Dan Marino had good numbers, but he just, you know, his team never won a Super Bowl, So I, I don't know. I think it's just a lot of uh, just a lot of cherry picking with sports. But I mean, you just you really can't dispute seven Super Bowl wins. I mean, just because uh, it's like three beyond uh, the most ever tied by like two or three different guys. So uh, having said that, uh, I did want to say um, LSU had the most representation by any college team. And it wasn't that they just represented. They showed out. Uh, as you, as we said earlier, Devin White, you know, had a nice interception. Plenty of plays in b- before that, but uh, Leonard Fournette had a really nice run. I thought he was going to have a longer run, but he he had the longest run of any LSU player in Super Bowl history. So there's that. And um, I mean, Tyree Matthew almost had a well, he did have an interception, but it was called back. But I don't know. I think it was just good representation, good play by LSU players, and you know, when they got in the end zone, the LSU or Leonard Fournette threw up the L. He was representing the boot. So uh, I think that that builds well for, you know, for LSU, for guys that are looking at this thinking, oh, you know, high school players are thinking, I, I want to take my game. I, I want to play in this game. How do I take my game to the next level? Well, you can go, go to LSU. Um, you may not win a national title in the first two or three or four years you're there, but you could play for a Super Bowl and win that. So. And the social media was milking that for all it's worth. They were having so many Devin oh, White yeah. and Leonard Fournette and all that posts, um, which I guess is is good advertising for your, your school and your yeah. football program. But they were hyping up playoff Lenny and get live forty five and everything. I'm so I'm so happy for Devin White. I feel like he like he 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 made himself a lot of money this playoffs, even in the Super Bowl, the biggest stage. He was the best defensive player on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, yeah, like you said, he—I mean, his private contracts already settled for a year or two from now. But I mean, that—that's in the biggest stage, and then you just show out like that. You know, there's uh, there's nothing else you could do for yourself better than that. Well, once his rookie deal's up, which should be probably the next three, two, three years, I would think, uh, he'll be he'll be getting paid. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so I don't know. We. Um, well, wait, before, before we leave basketball, I'm about to send you this picture. Look at this. Tell me what you think. So, so I just sent you all a, a picture, and it's this guy. And they say, oh, I met the Super Bowl streaker at this restaurant, and uh, he put $50,000 on himself to run uh, – to, to, or he put $50,000 on a prop bet that, that, that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl, 
Then he actually had a ticket, goes in and streaks. So he secures himself, you know, uh, the $375,000. Well, uh, when I, I saw that, it's been going around on social media. A bunch of people showed it to me. When I saw it, uh, I instantly thought, well, this guy's an idiot if he's telling people that and posing for pictures because the, the book is going to instantly say no action. Like you can't, you can't do that. I don't like, I don't think they're going to allow it, but Daniel, did you say, did you say, is it, is it real? Is it fake? It seems that there's nobody's for sure, but some like kind of Vegas insiders have been like, this is 99% not true. Like no sports book would take 50 K on a bet that you could influence yourself like, oh, really? in that manner. Yeah. They said like, usually you can only bet like, like a thousand at the max, like on those type of props. That makes sense. So maybe he bet some like at various places and maybe made a little bit of money, but I don't know if you could dr- like bomb 50 K and then go do it. But if he did, then. Hey, I, I hope it's real. Get this but, money. Yeah. Like I, I was like, and I hope it's real. But when, uh, when I saw that, I was like, there's just no way knowing what, knowing what I know about these books, like they would just never expose themselves to that. Right. They would never right. honor it. They would be like, no, like, Especially if the guy, if like the guy who everyone saw on TV walks up and he's like, imagine he's not even wearing, he's not even wearing clothes. He went straight from jail to go cash his ticket. They're like, no, you're the streaker. I mean, a similar thing could be like, if you bet, try to bet like a million dollars on the color of the Gatorade at the end, they're like, are you the guy that's like making the Gatorade? Gatorade? Yeah. Yeah. Like you like somehow ensure that it's the same color or something like that, which there was actually, I don't know if y'all saw this. They didn't show the Gatorade dumps during the broadcast. Like you just saw Bruce Arians like soaking wet and everyone on Twitter was freaking out. Like what color was the Gatorade? Um, But then uh, eventually some screenshots were posted and videos of it being blue, which I was surprised by. Uh, But people were bummed out that CBS didn't catch that one. Yeah, they should have because they they should know that that prop bet is in place. But here's my question: it's um, it specifically said a streaker, and to my knowledge, or at least to my experience, a streaker is someone that's just you know buck naked running through the field. But this that guy, guy had clothes on. Yeah, he not only did he he had shorts on, but he had like this pink. Uh, I don't know. It's like a a bathing suit, like slash. a leotard kind of. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's that's not streaking, but also. If that is your bet, like if if you say, all right, I'm going to bet $1,000 and I'm going to go to streak and I'm going to win it, why would you choose the pink thong, whatever that was? Like what, what what's the message? Like what, I, I don't understand that part of it. It's like, yeah, you can go win your money, but, you know, it could have been black. It could have been camo. Why Why has it got to be a pink thong onesie type of thing I, if y'all, if y'all were a streaker how long do you think you could evade if y'all were a streaker how long do you think you could evade t- getting tackled oh, not not long at all i know that he missed one tackle yeah, but he, he did ju- make it to the one yard line he like, went he, across the entire field right yeah he juked the first guy and mm-hmm. then like the guy came in heavy on the second one laid him out man i saw yeah, that i was, was at, right at the one i was, I was right at a braves game back in the old turner field and uh it was a, a rain out, a rain delay. And I mean, this was one of those rain delays where it's like, it lasted for, you know, two hours or something. So we're all sitting there and they kept showing the same, like three mini documentaries that are like 20 minutes long over and over and over. So I watched the story of Jeff Francoeur, the story of like Greg Maddox and the story of John Smoltz over and over and over. So we're sitting there and you can see, like I was on the first base side uh, pretty, but kind of like closer to 
the uh, closer right field than to like home plate. So you can see a little commotion right on the right field fence. And, and mind you, it's a rain delay. So they've, they've pulled that tarp out and, you know, it's, it, and uh, these two guys, you see them, they're, they're messing around. They're kind of arguing, kind of pushing. And they're like, okay, they jump out onto the ground, onto the, to the, to the grass and run across the entire field and slip and slide on the tarp. And I always thought that was just the coolest thing ever. Like, I was like, I was like, wow, look at them. They just slip and slid. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Uh. And then my grandfather was like, yeah, they're going to spend the night in jail. <laughs> I guess if you're going to do it, you might as well have fun with it. I know. Yeah. It looked fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to imagine some, some friends of theirs uh, probably is like, look, if you do it, dude, I'll bail you out. Yeah. I mean, and who, who wouldn't at that point? You, you will be living in the, the legacy of your friends, fraternity, what, whatever group they, they were with. Uh, you know, you, you've cemented yourself if you do that. So I think it is it is bold, though, to do it at the Super Bowl because from what I heard, they don't play around about Super Bowl security. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to watch the, the rest of the game, then go for it. But uh, Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I thought it was pretty good all around. I, I only watched a little bit of the halftime show as much as I could understand. But um, I don't know. I, all the halftime shows nowadays, they're just you know snippets of all their favorite songs. So it's... No, it's not I think the really the last really 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 good halftime show I saw was uh was Bruno Mars when when uh the Seahawks played that year Seahawks Broncos is that right I was that the so. one with the Red Hot Chili Peppers the one by himself it was the one uh where he's dressed up like Elvis kind of he's in that gold outfit remember that I don't remember they all kind of blur together a little bit it was the time. one okay it was not no wait it was not the Red Hot Chili Peppers one it was the one before that. It was just him. Just Bruno? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, I thought that one was good. I think it was when the Broncos were playing or something. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was, uh, I think, after halftime when you could see the Chiefs were just not going to, you know, they, they just weren't going to make a fight of it. Not not because they weren't trying, but they just it just wasn't going to happen schematically. Uh, you just kind of knew the game was over. So, for me, the fourth quarter was just – you know, it was it was inevitable. Um, they, they tried, but it just it wasn't going to happen. Uh, so at that point, to me, the game was over. But I mean, you know, congrats to Tampa Bay. I, I thought it was cool that the you know the home team won in their home city, uh, and they're, all their fans were there. I don't think that played into any you know like home cooking with the referees or anything like that. Uh, but it was just it's like you know the odds of that happening again also are are very very slim. So uh, just a different Super Bowl than I think what we're probably used to, but uh, a good one nonetheless, uh, you know, unless you were pulling for Kansas City, that is. Uh, but uh, bringing it back to, uh, to our focus, um, LSU didn't really have much news in the way this week, but they did have one commit. And I don't know. I don't know if you wanted to uh, introduce this guy, Daniel, but it actually happened today, right? Yeah, yeah. it was yep. just earlier, 1 p.m. Uh, today, Tuesday the 9th. Uh, so Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver out of Walker High School, just north of Baton Rouge, who, uh, number nine wide receiver in the country, 2021 class. He had been rumored to stay home to the Tigers for a long time, but there was some strong uh, A&M and Alabama push at the end. And so when he didn't 
uh, signed during National Signing Day last week. It was a little bit unclear as to what was going to happen, but I guess he he made his mind up and wanted the show to himself or something. I don't really know. Um, maybe he had some second thoughts, but he ended up staying home uh, for LSU. So that's a big pickup for the Tigers uh, as our 23rd and most likely final uh, addition for this year's class, barring any uh, transfers. And we actually jumped Georgia for the number three spot in the country uh, with that commitment. So that's pretty good. And we got the top six prospects from Louisiana this year, which is really nice to see considering how some have been getting poached in the last few years. Uh, so glad he stayed home and, and a uh, good closeout to this year's class. Yeah. And, and this guy's he's a, he's six, four, That's a big guy. You know, he's going to be yeah. a, uh, a, a, I mean, what was, was Eric Gilbert, was he six, six? I think six five. Six five, yeah. Yeah. Like so, I, I mean, like we kind of talked about it last week of uh, of uh, how do we fill how do we fill that gap that kind of stuff, and you know the rumor had been that even uh, Jake Peets had had come to Eric Gilbert and said, "Look, man, like we're not even going to really use you as a tight end. Like we're going to use you as a wide receiver. We're going to get you and you know make you let you be a playmaker. Get get the ball to you," and um. Now, you know, it appears, hey, we might we might be okay without having uh, Eric Gilbert because it might have been kind of a non-starter. He might not have even been playing really the true position we recruited him to be. And we've got so much – we've just got a wealth of talent at wide receiver these days. Yeah, we actually had five wide receiver commits in this year's class, which you may even think is almost getting too much I know, at that point. But, but it's like how can you turn them down when we've got so many great ones from our own state? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and here's this is my question, I guess, is – um, based on what you said about Eric Gilbert and, you know, Brian Thomas, and then, uh, you know, there's Stefan Sullivan, who was a wide receiver at high school, but he just signed as a tight end in the NFL. It's like, what's the difference between these wide receivers that we recruit and mm-hmm. the tight ends that we, uh, that we have or recruit or the tight ends that end up making it in the NFL? It's like, you know, it's like all these guys have to be tall, obviously. They have to know how to block. I think that's tight end or right, wide receiver. Uh, it doesn't matter what the position is, but it's like, really, what's the difference between these guys and like today's, you know, football offense? Like, is a tight end is a is there really a difference um, in their size? Maybe what, twenty pounds, thirty pounds? I, I don't know. It's like these guys could be recruited as one, but they could be transitioned to the other if they just uh, refocus their uh, their diet and their weight training. So I don't know. I mean, it is because like, you're asking last week of you know, how big of a, a loss was Eric Gilbert? And I thought, well, I mean, he's a good weapon, but not irreplaceable. But, you know, as a guy like this where, you know, if he's, if the wide receiver room is stacked, could he just transition to his, to a tight end if he just put on 10 pounds? Yeah, I think that's why you see a lot in high school of players getting like the athlete designation and not getting pinned to one position. Like Sage Ryan, He's listed as a safety right now, but for a while he was like the number one athlete in the country because he played safety and running back. Uh, and he played more offense this year for uh, Lafayette Christian than he did defense. Yeah, and so a lot, like a lot of the time, these guys are like by far like the best player on the field at their respective high school. They can play anything. So wherever you put them, they're gonna play pretty well. It's just like you see Devin White was the number like five running back in the country, and you see him dominating a linebacker in the Super Bowl. Uh, so you need, kind of need the college mind to help hone the player skills into all right, you can play this position better than any other. And this is also where we need you. Uh, so then 
you can't just get a bunch of good players and then figure it out later. I feel like, I feel like to answer your question, Scott, the difference is in my eyes, there are almost two, two types of tight ends. And a lot of the players that, that we see as like tight ends, like, I don't really think Eric Gilbert was a, was a true tight end. Yeah. I mean, he, he even admitted it. He said, I mean, all the, all the rumors, everybody said he didn't like to block. And, and that's fine. Like he was, he could obviously catch and he was really good and he's physically talented. Um, but I think that you see that a lot. Like Kyle Pitts is a, is an offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. He's not like, you're not going to ask Kyle Pitts to go out there and just go at it with the defensive end every single play. Cause it's just a waste of talent. Like he could be doing so many other like great things on the field and, and, and just be a mismatched nightmare. And that's something that like you waste by just saying like, all right, line up and, and you're going to take on that, uh, that defensive end. You're going to, or you're going to down block or do something like that. Yeah. So I was going to say like an example that would be like Josh Hill for the saints is like their backup tight end. He's like in there chipping blocks for most of the game. And he'll kind of like do a wheel route or something around the goal line and catch a couple touchdowns a year. But most of the time he's getting that work and like Jared Cook is stretching the field, getting the passes. That's kind of the opposite. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, I think, the, I think the difference is, like, you look at, like, Kyle Pitts versus, like, that Rucker, Jeremy Rucker guy from Ohio State. Like, to me, Rucker is, like, a legit, like, a real true tight end. Mm-hmm. You know, he will go in there. He gets dirty. He'll, he'll chip people. He'll block. He'll do all that. But he's also very talented as an offensive threat, and they, they used him a lot, especially towards the end of the season uh, in Ohio State. But I think that with the way that we want to – the way we want to play – I don't know if we really need a true blocking tight end, like a true down and hand in the dirt tight end. And if that's true, which I, which I think it is, then it doesn't really matter. You know, you could put, you could take theoretically, you could take Brian Thomas and say, okay, you're going to play tight end, but you're really going to be like another, like almost like a, like a slot, like a trip slot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess it'd be an H an H H back or a, a Y X or a Y. Yeah, they, they call just, them all different stuff. Yeah, I think though him him being able to block, that's what gives you the uh, uh, maybe some confusion with the defense because if he's if he never blocks, then they know anytime he lines up, he's just going to go out to play. yeah yeah. So I mean, there's that aspect, but I, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, and uh, I don't know, it was it was interesting since our last broadcast, I saw something that Nick Saban said right after you know signing day. And he was asked about the transfer portal, you know, which uh, you can live and die by the transfer portal. Uh, But it was one thing he said that I thought kind of was interesting and it it makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, as often as Nick Saban does, he he was saying, because he was asked about it, he's like, well, you know, I I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's like uh, before, you know, there was a penalty. If you decided to transfer, you had to sit out a year. And I think that would, he said that discouraged some, you know, that might discourage some guys from doing it. And I, I, I can totally buy into that because uh, if you, if you had to sit out a year after your freshman year, then you join again, you know, your junior year, it's like, all right, well now another year's gone by and these guys are itching to get in the NFL. So they play one more year and then they're supposed to be entering the draft, but they only have got two years experience. You know, and one more, of them probably doesn't count because they were a freshman. Right, so you want to get that that other year in your belt, but you'd have to sit out a year to do it. So, I don't know. It's like I don't know if. I, do you think that 
if the old transfer rules were in effect, that Eric Gilbert might have stayed if it wasn't so easy for him to just transfer out. Um, I mean, like I said, I feel like we can go on without him, but like to have him would be good. But I'm just yeah. wondering if like you know something like that would have kept somebody like him from from leaving. I think it depends on it. It depends on, and I don't know. We will probably never really know. It depends on how much of Eric Gilbert's change was him not liking the the way the LSU football team was, like the the on the field stuff. He didn't like his role. He didn't like blocking. He didn't like how they used him. He didn't feel like he was getting enough balls thrown his way. All that kind of stuff. And then how much of it truly was he had issues of some sort, whether it's homesick or doesn't like Baton Rouge or doesn't like the coaches or is, or is having, you know, his own just personal issues, which that's a lot of that has been said about him the whole time. I feel like if, if he, if it truly is, he's just, he just did not like LSU did not like Baton Rouge and had these personal issues then it would make sense. Yeah. He would, he would be so willing to leave that he would leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're saying. And also it's like, if he, if he really wants to, he could just make a bet on himself. He's like, it doesn't matter. I only need one good year and I'm fine. Like kind of like Jamar Chase, when he was like in the rotation, his freshman year had a really good sophomore year. And he's like, all right, I'm done. I don't need a junior year. I can still be a top 10 pick in the NFL. So Eric Gilbert can be like, I had a mediocre first year at LSU. I'll sit out, play one good year for Florida and then roll on. Like it's not that big of a deal to me. I, like I'm probably not going to win a championship at LSU or Florida. So it's all really the same, uh, but it would definitely be a deterrent to a lot of students for sure. Um, especially guys who aren't at the very top of the talent pool anyway, who are more likely to, to get immediate playing time. I, I, I kind of, I understand it more for people who are, like you said, not at the top, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that, that, that having a more um, frictionless transfer rule helps them. Cause you get a guy who, thought he could play at LSU and then gets buried in the death chart because there's just so much talent. And then he can say, well, you know what? I'm going to go to Louisiana tech SMU. That's what you're saying. Like transferring down, transferring down. Yeah. I almost wish that it was like, I mean, mean, you couldn't do this because, well, actually you could maybe what if, what if the, what if the happy medium, I might've just solved the issue. What if the happy medium is like, you can keep the transfer portal rules uh, to where you transfer, but it's like group of five and power five. So like, what if group of five schools? So like, let's say a guy, um, who played for, uh, we'll just say from Cincinnati had a breakout year. Derek King from Houston to Miami. Yeah. Derek King or, or, or McKenzie Milton, right. From UCF, the quarterback, right. Where did he transfer to? No, no. I'm saying like, if he wanted to like, let's, cause I think there was talk about him leaving, right. There was. Yeah, like a mat, like a guy like that. Some, so somebody from a group of five school who's had like a really good like freshman year, really good two years, and is like, I want to go to, I want to step up my game. I need to, I need to play at the highest level now. You know, I was slept on in high school, and maybe, maybe I didn't have a good high school, or maybe whatever for whatever reason, I'm not at a SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve school. I'm gonna, I'm gonna transfer. That would be like the free transfer. Like you're fine. You go on. You can play instantly. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa. You are good enough to go for LSU. You get that. You get that scholarship. But then maybe you get injured. You get buried in the depth chart. And you know you're good enough to play, but you just don't have the chance because there's so many other good talented players around you. You can move down and go to a group of five school. But it's kind of the same thing of like 
but you can't have this free agency where you're just going from t- blue chip to blue chip. What do you think about that? I feel like that might be actually a good, a good like, I wonder, happy medium. I wonder if at that point schools almost develop like a farm school, like a legion store, like Louisiana tech or something will be able to use like farm schools. So that's where they would send all like the three-star prospects yeah. who like, they couldn't quite make it to LSU. Like go here, you'll play good for like two years. And then you'll have like a, a real strong look at you, like moving up for free or something like that. Well, they already kind of have that with Juco. There are a lot of JUCOs that are farm schools mm-hmm. for colleges. Um, you know, we pull, we pull a lot from Mississippi JUCO. And there will be a lot of college, a lot of college coaches who will, who will say that to players be like, yeah, like, you know, right now, if it's a lot of times it's academic stuff as well. It's like, Oh, you know, you don't have the academics to get into LSU, Georgia, Vanderbilt, wherever. Um, So go play, go play junior college, get your grades up, keep, keep the production on the field and we'll see you in a year or two. So I think that actually could be a really good. And then when you think about it that way, that makes the uh, it makes the group of five schools better too, because then like the play like the players we're talking about who are that mid level player, he's got much more incentive to go to Louisiana Tech and have a great two years, one year, two year, three years there, because he's because he's playing for that chance to go and and co- kind of do what Jabril Cox did. Yeah, yeah, and then if I can just uh, kind of comparatively use. Uh, the minor league baseball uh, system as an analogy. It's like these guys that like, you can go straight out of high school to play minor league baseball and you can start making money immediately. But, and you could say, well, that's a step down as opposed to going to LSU and maybe trying to get drafted higher. But it's like, you're already playing professional baseball as a teenager. And like, none of these guys see that as the end all be all. It's like, they're all trying to get to the show. Yeah, but it's like this this minor league system is the best move for them at that time. And that's why they do it. So based on what you said, Tommy, I think, yeah, why not? You know, it's like if, if, if the best move for this guy straight out of high school is to go to Mississippi Gulf Community College and then maybe transfer into an LSU or an Auburn or God forbid, Florida, you know, something like that, then so be it. But, you know, that that, that should be available to them and they you know they shouldn't be penalized if that's their route it's it, it almost it almost is like and i don't know maybe this maybe this does kind of sound like i don't really know why i kind of feel this way like i don't have a justification for it but it almost feels like you shouldn't get multiple multiple chances to to like go to the to the blue chip like it shouldn't be like oh i, w- I went to ohio state now i add now i want to go to georgia and then after that i'm going to alabama like with tate martell like how he's been to like he was right. started at Ohio State, then went to Miami, and now he's looking for another. Or he'll, uh, go to, he'll probably go to another blue chip. He'll probably go to USC. Name, or Garrett, uh, the guy that he, he went to LSU. He wanted to go to Notre Dame, then he went to LSU, or vice versa. Uh, then he ended up in Cincinnati. Um, Gunner Keel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, it just doesn't feel like you know. It feels like there should be some sort of, not necessarily a penalty, but it shouldn't just be as easy as like, okay, I'm, I'm here now, you know? Yeah. I, all I right. Think we all agree. That's my, that's my, that's my take. Yeah. So that's a Mark Emmert. NCAA no, I, I, I think I'm about to get Woody on the phone. <laughs> well, while you do that, we'll discuss, uh, I don't know if there's really any need to discuss, uh, you know, LSU basketball. They, they just did not have a good game against Alabama. 
Um, they bad. Really, yeah, nothing really to take from it. They just do not play well. I think they've had two wins in the last decade at Alabama. So uh, I just I don't even know what to say to that other than just just move it on. I mean, I, I could say Elish, or, you know, Will Wade's gonna. Oh well, you know, it's on me. Uh, but you know, we're we're tired of that talk. And yeah. it's like there's just no way they should be losing that poorly with that much talent. Uh, to a a team they've already played, you know, within conference. So I will say Alabama looks like maybe the best team in the country. Like they look really good. Official basketball school. But yeah, the wheels have kind of fallen off for LSU. They're one and four in their last five games. And so they they play Mississippi State tomorrow night. That's pretty much a must win game. And then so they got almost all must wins now. Yeah, they got Tennessee after that on Saturday. That's probably a loss given the way they're playing. And then they got four kind of middling opponents, SEC opponents to close it out. So out of those kind of four plus Mississippi State, you probably think you have to win at least three out of those five. Probably. Are we even on the bubble at this point? Or are we out? Of- I checked it this morning, and we're still on, the e- bubble. on ESPN. We're still projected in as a ten seed. Okay. Um, I think we're like pre, like reasonably safe right now, but we're not like a lock or anything. Yeah. Uh, so if we, yeah, so with six games left, they postponed the Florida game, not officially canceled, but. I don't know when they would play that, but you got six games, probably got to go at least three and three, um, and then uh, hope that everybody else shakes out uh, so the Tigers need to get back on track. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. I I don't know. I think, uh, like we were talking about last week, it depends how you can finish the season. If you can finish strong and, like, play well into the tournament, then what you've done in the previous month or so, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But – they, they're just not there yet, I don't think. Like, we'll see you this week, obviously, but it just it, – nothing that they've shown us shows that they, uh, they're, like, they're building momentum before the big dance. So, I, I don't know. It just it just feels like there's also – there's, like, a lack of energy almost watching them. Like, I, I wish they would just be – I wish they were a fun team to watch even when they lose. But when they're getting buried like they're getting against Alabama, that's just – that's not fun to watch at all. No, not at all. I could I could live with them being bad, but fun ba- fun bad, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly. It's just it, it's. I mean, you got Cam Thomas just throwing Jack and threes up with, and then Watford not really doing much. Then Days is out, of course, and he was pretty important. And then Javante Smart's having a down year. I mean, it's a uh, sad. It's just bad to watch. I mean, it's just. I wish they'd get it together. They get it together, guys. I know. Maybe they will in the next few weeks. Um, and I don't know, just in t- even if they don't, though, it's like we have LSU baseball just about to start up. Uh, I mean, uh, we're all kind of biting in anticipation of that just to see what that's going to look like because they've got a lot of promise, too. Uh, you know, they have Jaden Hill coming back and just a lot of uh, a lot of good momentum from last year, I think. I, I don't know. I mean, like they, they had a really good recruiting year. And I don't know, I think like baseball is the one sport where you don't have to expect too much of a COVID breakout, like uh, if that's still going on, because none of these guys are near each other. But um, so all that's going to start soon, just as basketball. I don't know. We're going to see what happens with basketball. I, I, I know they're going to make the tournament. You, even if nothing else, like they, they could at least be a 16 seed, right? Or they, they'd be one of those play-in games where you know they're like team 68 or 67 it's mm-hmm. like lsu can't be beyond that right yeah i hope not 
<laughs> things would go really bad if that, if that did. Yeah, I just don't see. I just don't see how they couldn't make the field. Uh, I mean, their their work would be in front of them, um, no matter how they get in, because they just they have not put themselves in a good position for a seating or a good seating. But you know, so be it. Um, but I don't know, guys. Do you have anything else before uh, before we head out here tonight? Um, final thoughts. Well, so after the Super Bowl is over. I was kind of just thinking about like, what am I going to do now? And I think, um, I think what I've decided is I'm just going to watch a bunch of the, uh, the 2019 games and relive the glory. So that's a good, good so that's my, that's my take. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, yeah, not too much more. Um, baseball starts on the 19th. So we'll probably be talking a little bit of baseball preview next week and might just have to head over to the box. Yeah. Baseball at the box. Right. And that's about it. Yeah, and yeah. also, aren't they? Don't we have a? Is it like Mountain West football or something? One of the random conferences is playing right now. I know the FCS is playing okay. in the spring. Oh, um, that's so- what it is Nichols. Yeah, I, I heard an interview with Frank Wilson. He was talking about Nichols playing. They play. They play this Saturday, or maybe they played last Saturday. But yeah, they're playing what a scrimmage? No, they're playing real games. Like they, the they whole, postponed the whole season. Yeah, the whole FCS are playing spring season. So if you need your football fix, there might be some. Oh, that's right. They didn't. Uh, they didn't play a season this year. We should, Daniel. We should convert to Nichols fans for the spring. Harvard on the Bayou. Yeah. What's do you know the the Nichols mascot? The Colonels. Yeah, the Colonels. Con, uh, Conversion Colonels. Do you guys want to do it? <laughs> oh, we should totally. We should rebrand. <laughs> we should rebrand one episode to Conversing Colonels. That'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, I'm down. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe Daniel has to think about it. But uh, uh, we we could we could pursue that. Uh, <laughs> but while while we just while we you know contemplate that and decide how we're going to move forward, um, just know that we're going to have talking tigs for you next week. Uh, no football anymore on any level ex- except for you know the FCS obviously, but um, we're gonna have some uh, some draft news. You're gonna have some more recruiting news maybe. Uh, then we're gonna have the end of the basketball season and the start of the baseball season coming up soon. So stick around for that. Uh, but until then, uh, we'll talk to you next week. So stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking to you.